Welcome to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Autumn and Kelsey. Today, we are bringing you part two of our Crescent City bonus episode. We ran a little long in the first part, so this one will be doing the second half of our thoughts and questions on our House of Earth and Blood reread. As a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. Our thoughts and opinions are our own. And also, major spoiler warning here in the fact that we will be talking about the universe as a whole. So if you haven't read all the books and you don't want to be spoiled, peace out now. This next part is a, all the questions that we still have at the end of House of Earth and Blood. Mm-hmm. Even though we talked a lot about questions we still have, here's more. Here's more questions. Here's more questions. And these are <laughs> things that are not answered in HOSAB. We'll, we'll get to that. We have our host library reading come. We'll get into all of those things, but this is just strictly things from House of Earth and Blood. And the yes. first is the Avalon Fae. Mm-hmm. There is so much mystery around them. And why do they keep their aisle hidden? Why is it hidden in mist? We know mist is so closely associated with the Valg. Mm-hmm. That raises my flags and why do they still seem so strong and powerful when it said that magic is supposedly dwindling down the whole avalon fay that whole aisle all those people i need to know what's going on over there i need to take a little trip and tell me what is happening on their secret little mystery island. yes yes and then also why is the king of avalon fay called the stag king mm-hmm. are you kidding me mind blown i'm just like why why what does it mean what does it mean (laughs) next is bryce's whole visit to the oracle we know she blinded the oracle that's all good and dandy what blinds the oracle that's answered but the oracle started screaming before she blinded her Mm -hmm. she looked into the smoke something that she saw made her scream and claw at her eyes what did she see? Mm-hmm. Also, why was Adis there? Why was he there on this day in Lunathian waiting for Bryce? My thought on Adis being there is because I don't know if he felt that Bryce had Thea's light as soon as Bryce was born and knew that she immediately had it, or when she was three and she used it for the first time, he felt it then. Yeah. But I think as soon as he... If he didn't know at birth, he definitely felt it the first time she used it. And I think he's been watching Bryce since she was three. And when he saw her go into the Oracle, he wanted to be there. So I think he was specifically following her in that moment, which was why he was there. Because he already knew knew who she was when he came and sat on her on the bench. Mm -hmm. He knew right at that moment, he says, what blinds an Oracle? He already knew in that moment. Yes. So, yeah, he had to have known way before then. I don't think he was just curious and wanted to see what was the commotion over here at the Oracle. And he just yeah. happened to be in Lunathian on that day. Yeah, no. I, he was I there for was, a reason, for a purpose. I think he was waiting to see what the Oracle said about her. Mm-hmm. I think he was very interested in what her prophecy was going to be. Right. And it bothers me that we never get her prophecy. And we also don't get Hunt's prophecy. Mm-hmm. yet we know the oracle has a prophecy for bryce because she wanted to tell hunt yeah it's her prophecy 
Another big question mark is Miss Ember Quinlan. Hmm. There's a lot, but she wears this amulet of the embrace is what it's called. And it's the union of Kathona and Solus. This obviously has to tie to her being called a vessel for Kathona. And then Randall is deemed a vessel for Solus. And now they're together. And what does that all mean? What does it mean she's a vessel for Kathona? Mm -hmm. Also, her looks get to me. She looks just like the description of Queen Thea, of Helena, the dark hair, like Rune. And I really want to know what went down between her and the Autumn King, because I don't think it went down how she's saying it went down, because we only have her side, really. All that we truly know is that she has a scar from it, Mm -hmm. and that whatever happens, the Autumn King acknowledges that he did something he will always regret right and he admits that he loved her he was ready to make her his queen and he knows that she would have said yes yeah because she loved him as well so Mm -hmm. i think obviously we know something went down to cause her to run he feels guilty for it but what exactly i don't think we have the full picture yeah also how was that gonna work she's gonna die he would have given up his fate on mortality for her I doubt it. <laughs> he's such a narcissist. I doubt it. Yeah. He may have loved her, but he's, I he's think, like the toxic, like the toxic mating pairings that we get in Akatar. Mm-hmm. That's what he reminds me of. Yeah. I'm curious about him. He has so many secrets. I don't think we fully know the mask behind the Autumn King yet. Oh yeah. We definitely don't. I'm very interested to see what his response is going to be in the next book. When he has one kid in a Styrian prison and the other kid on a whole another planet that he was looking for. He's going to be so mad that he didn't get to go. He's like, really? I've been looking at this for 500 years and you can't even take me on your joy trip to another planet. It's what I've been looking for. And you found it. And then in chapter four, Reed says that the Asteri won't allow for the war to come to Crescent City. And I want to know specifically why they won't allow for that to happen which Bryce also asked him and the only thing he says is complicated situation yeah you are a useless character sir so the humans are looked at as the lowliest of lows mm-hmm. yet you have Redner Industries which they shot up to power because they invented cell phones and we obviously see how important cell phones are in society so that's how they became such a global phenomenon type mm-hmm. thing But it's still, are they just all turning a blind eye because they're creating technology that they need to use? Because they're in the CBD, which is like the area with all the angels are where Mm -hmm. it's the most well-kept, it's the best looking part of the city. And they have a huge building there and Mm -hmm. they do a lot of sketchy stuff. We know with developing the synth and all, yeah, I just have questions about Redner and what they're actually doing. And I want to know what else they're researching outside mm-hmm. of synth. Because it's it's interesting. The humans came up with synth and researched it. And they kind of lied about what it was going to do so that they could fund their project. Mm-hmm. So they could be allowed to even look at it. Right. And then I just had a question about Bryce's light and her power. Because her power before she takes the drop and all is considered near negligible. They say that it's just light. But I'm just like, is Rune really that much more magical and more powerful than her because he's fully fey? Like, what does he get from his mom that makes him so much more 
powerful. Again, that ties back to my questions about the Avalon Fay because yes. obviously it's just light. It doesn't register as power, but I feel like how much she does with that power of taking it out, closing at least the one gate. I don't know. I just thought that was sketch of how and it I was wonder, kind of hidden like that. And I wonder if Rune struggles so much with his starlight power that he apparently gets from Peleus is because Peleus wasn't actually starborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but technically he also got it from Helena too. True. Who was starborn, but I think it wasn't supposed to go to a male. Yes. The power. Even though we know there's been multiple starborn princes Mm -hmm. and all of them have died before they can make the drop. And they were all closely tied to the Autumn King. Dot, Mm. dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) But in your asking of her powers, I think... She says multiple times that, like, her starborn gift, her light isn't a power, it's a gift that she was given. So, I guess it just didn't register. On a power because scale. Because all she yeah. says is it's a gift, it's not a power. Yeah. I don't know what she means, what makes the two so different that it mm-hmm. didn't register. But I want to know what's going on now since she basically accessed pure magic mm-hmm. by doing the drop with the gate. And then a thought I had was, is Bryce showing her starborn light when she goes after the Crystallos demon when she's in her drug case? Because it says she started to have a glow around Mm -hmm. her. So I wonder if she was using that to like pull the drugs out of her system Mm -hmm. so that she could chase after the demon. Right. Interesting thought. I want to know why Shahar was caught the day star. Mm -hmm. Anything related to the star, I'm I'm already like, what you mean? Like the exterior all stars. Mm-hmm. Why was Shahar called the day star? It mentions her, that's her nickname several times, but it never goes into detail why. Why is Hunt the only one with lightning? Mm-hmm. He says he looks everywhere for someone else who he looked in books and everything to find someone else who had lightning so they could help him figure out his powers. Right. So where did they come? Where'd the lightning come from? Because they all have Magic related to the skies, storms, that sort of thing. But no one has lightning but him in the entire 15,000 years that Midgard's been what it is now that they've created angels. No one else has lightning but him. Literally. No one. Yeah. What is the name of Danica's sword? What is is the name of Danica's sword? Yeah, just the heirloom of the Fendiers. Like, okay, I need a name, please. Cool. If it's that old of a weapon, if it's that important, why have you never named it? The yeah. only other sword I know that Sarah never actually names or anything that's mentioned constantly or more than once that has no name is Kale's sword that he throws into the river. Yeah. No name for the sword? Is it intentional that there's no name because we're about to find the name of it? It's about to be Narbin. <laughs> Where is Narbin? <laughs> Narbin the death sword. That is a question. Where is that sucker? Yeah. And where's all these other weapons they talked about being made? Yeah. Yeah. I just, what's the sword's name and why didn't you tell me? <laughs> and then what is Jessica actually looking for on her travels? Because Bryce states that she's literally never in town. Bryce goes to work every day and she's like, oh, Jessica's watching me on the cameras. Jessica is literally never in her gallery. Not mm-hmm. once. Is she ever seen inside the gallery? Even? The only time we see her on page is when she's at the summit. And it was like, oh, hey, she showed up. But the other king didn't. She's never even in the city. Yeah. 
She's never even in Lunathian, which I think she has her gallery in Lunathian for a reason because of the type of people that are there. But she's also has it as far away from the Asteria as she possibly can yeah. is also another reason. But yeah, I also just wonder about her. How old is she, first of all? Mm-hmm. Why did she defect from the witches? Mm-hmm. There's obviously a story there. And this kind of ties back to Hosab. Just one little quick little part. But the Underking says he doesn't know her by that name. And he knows her yes. by another. But she literally is the only one there to represent House of Flame and Shadow at the summit. Mm-hmm. So she's obviously a big deal. She's high ranking. He didn't come to the summit. Obviously, I don't think he leaves his little island that he's on. And then he acts like he doesn't know her when Bryce brings her up. And he's like, oh, her. I know her by like She literally represented your your realm right. in the summit. And I'm, you don't know who she is? Sir, <laughs> questions. But yeah, in all of her travels, like is she just trying to find more of the Parthos library? Or is she looking for something specific? Is there something else that they need to defeat the Asteri that she's specifically hunting for? Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel like she's doing much of the under King's bidding during all this time. She's just doing whatever she wants to do. Yeah. But yeah. And she like hints that she knows so much stuff, but it doesn't tell us. Tell us. Yeah. I've got a lot of questions about Jessica. Yeah. What is it about the drop that makes it so anyone who does the drop can regrow a limb? Yeah. And what makes the drop specifically so different from like the settling or like growing into your powers? Yeah. We know you have to drop in CC. You have the settling in Tog. It doesn't really say anything in Prithian besides more says she came into her power at maturity. Also with High Lords, they come into their power at a certain point. So that's the only Mm -hmm. thing that can really tie back to it. Yeah. But yeah, I have a lot of questions about the drop, how they can register your power levels, how much you're going to have, how much you give. I don't really understand any of that. I think a lot of us are confused about the drop. But also the way that Feyre is described when she's dying under the mountain, I think she made the drop at that moment because it's exactly what happens when we see Bryce go through the drop. She flatlines and she's just, Mm -hmm. her soul's just floating around and she's got to come back to it. And I think Reese acted as her anchor and brought her back and she became back Faye, they say, from the High Lords. She used the High Lord's power that they gave her to come back, recess her anchor, and became mm-hmm. Faye. But I think she already had something in her blood that allowed her to become Faye. Oh, definitely. The drop has a lot of questions around it, and I think we're all kind of confused a little bit. I think Sarah is a little ambiguous at points. But yeah, why can they regrow limbs? Why can they regrow what, their rings? What did the Asteri do to them? We've got to assume that the Asteri are, did at some point, like... Because they said they bred out the pointed ears of the, the shifters. shifters so that they wouldn't realize that the fae and the shifters are actually all just fae, mm-hmm. just from two separate planets, but they're all the same. They're fae. Because they wanted fae. them all to be divided. Because if they're fighting amongst themselves, they're not fighting with them. Yes. So, like, what experiment did they do to them that made it where if they lose a limb or a wing or anything like that, they can regrow it? Yeah. Questionable. S- questions. And then, what are Reese and the Autumn King looking for? 
They both have orreries. Mm-hmm. Autumn King has his prison. He's looking for patterns. They literally have models of their entire solar systems. I feel like it's a direct mirror what one is doing, the other is doing. They're looking for other galaxies, planets. They're both on the same train of thought. And yeah, what exactly are they looking for? The existence of other planets, the existence of other worlds. The Autumn King knows the Asteria secret based on oh, he yeah. knew what the numbers meant in yes. Bryce's office. So he's kind of just staying quiet about that. But is he also wondering how to get back to a realm? I think he wants to get back to the planet that they came from. They know they came from another planet through the rift. So is he trying to find what that planet was? Yeah. And then how was Syrinx able to talk to Lily? Because Lily says he told her Bryce was lonely. Multiple times she's like, oh, Syrinx told me this or Syrinx talked to me about this. Can he talk? Or how does she understand him? Yeah. Yeah. How is, how how is he talking to her? Because he's not supposed to be, I mean, we look at him like a dog or a pet, but he's not supposed to be a pet. He's got powers, obviously. So yeah, one of my favorite scenes is when he, <laughs> it says teleport. I'm thinking he can winnow, teleports out of Bryce's apartment to where Hunt is watching her apartment and almost fell asleep, bites Hunt on the butt yeah. and then teleports back. <laughs> I love him. That's one of my favorite scenes, especially when Hunt calls Isaiah and he's like, hey, did you know they could do this? And he's like, no how did you know they could do this he goes well I figured it out when he teleported over bit me in the butt and then went back in the apartment just in time for Bryce to see me grabbing my butt like a lunatic I hope that Juniper is taking very good care of him and then why did the Asteri punish all sprites what is it about the sprites and their rebellion that made the Asteri so angry they're not all kicked out and marked as slaves with SPQM tattoo I think they were just asserting their dominance over a species because they could. But they like picked the weakest one, unless we're missing something. And I feel like we're missing something. Like this queen that Lahaba says she descends from, that was then the rebellion with Hunt. Yes. Yes. And then what book is trying to get off the shelf to Hunt? I feel like it's important. Well, I mean, every book in there is important, but I feel mm-hmm. like that one specific book that was trying to get off the shelf to get to hunt. Mm-hmm. What book was it? What was it trying to tell him? I also have questions. Mine's just about people and things. The Viper Queen. How old is she? Her powers rumored to be different. Something extra that mixed with her venom. Something mm-hmm. strange and old. People fear her. Micah mm-hmm. fears her. I get she's a bad A that runs the meat market and all, but. The fact that she also does the blood oath. Blood oath, yeah. Like Maeve does. Mm-hmm. That's it sketchy. makes me think she's like part Valg. Yeah. Or part whatever Maeve is, because we're not even really sure that Maeve is Valg. Yeah, because she disappeared. Whatever the heck Maeve is. And her is. blood is described as tasting the same as when they take the blood oath with Maeve. Yeah. It's just too similar. She's too mm-hmm. old. She knows too much. She has her secrets. Anyone secretive and mysterious in this? I need to flesh them out. I need to know everything that's going on between them. And then stemming off of that, Fury. Yeah, Fury. The Viper, everyone is scared of the Viper Queen and the Viper Viper. Queen is scared of Fury. And Fury's like, what, 20-ish, maybe? We don't really know how old she is, but she went to college with them and they know she made the drop around Um, sometime. So I'm, unless she just faked making the drop, I don't know if that's something you can do or not. I don't know how they know she made the drop because she seems like too 
secretive, sketchy of a person actually tell anybody that she did anything. Yeah. And we never see her truly use any powers. And she's an unknown species of veneer. How do you just not know? Her and the Underking are both unknown species of veneer. Yeah. And the Viper Queen's scared of her. There's too many questions. I think she's obviously works for the Asteri just based on everything we know about her. She doesn't necessarily like it, but she has so much clearance in the world and gets out of stuff. She has to be working for the Asteri. And then what is the connection between Fury and Jessica? Because Bryce says that Fury basically shoved her resume down Jessica's throat until she got hired by Jessica. Mm -hmm. So like, why did Fury want Bryce to work for Jessica so bad? What is there? What's the connection? connection? Yes. And then who created the God Slayer rifle and what makes it so different from a normal gun? questions about this super special gun that all of Bryce's sharpshooting and every time she went to the range and just the whole scene of her putting that rifle together was so awesome it was yes I love that part it just we go to our in our overall comments and thoughts that's one of my favorite scenes is that scene because as a girl from the south I love an Annie Oakley moment from another character and I love that we get one from Bryce yeah another thought I just want to know how Rune's prophecy is going to play out it bothers me They're very ambiguous. You think you know what the prophecy means. It's all based around fate. And I feel like you can kind of change fate to Mm -hmm. a certain extent based on the decisions that you make. And is it tied to Bryce? Is it tied to himself? What does it actually mean? He thinks it means one thing. Like he is so focused on the fact that it means that he's going to die or that Bryce has to die. And part of me kind of thinks if they overthrow this theory and they no longer have like a fae king, then it just means that like, like it's a true democracy yeah like he's the last of the nobility right i, I guess just we're more op- optimistic than he is we know sarah has stated multiple times that she likes happy endings like she yes. can't write a book that doesn't have a happy ending so i'm assuming in my world of happy endings that means that they don't die yeah i'm gonna choose to believe that anyway she, i mean yeah. she likes to she already wrap- killed enough people in this series <laughs> Yeah, in the first five chapters of the book, she killed half the characters. I'm like, oh, okay. I my first read, that was one moment that hit me. It was like chapter four, and I was I remember sending you a Snapchat, and I was like, I love Connor so much. I love this. I can't wait to see what happens with them. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like as I was reading, literally as soon as I thought that, I was like, hey, I never read the back of this book. Let me read the back of it. And then it tells you that it's a murder mystery. And I'm like, and as soon as I read that and I flipped to chapter five where it happens, I was like, oh, they're all going to die. Yeah. I got it. I let myself get attached too soon. They're all going to die. Another question was, why does the Autumn King specifically not want the angels to have the horn? He doesn't mention the shifters. He just wants the angels. Did he know what Micah was planning? So we didn't want him to have it exactly. But Micah played the Autumn King to have Rune start looking for it, too. Yes. But we know he'd already been looking for it for two years up for this. Like, he'd been looking at it since it was stolen. Yeah. And I feel like he's been researching it for way longer than that. Yeah. So, what Hunt says that through love, all is possible was a saying that belonged to some ancient god. And I just want to know what god. Yeah, like what god made that saying. 
And is Bryce's tattoo written in word marks? And if it is, and then the Illyrian tattoos are also written in word marks, and then we know Aelin's tattoo is written in word marks, then we have all three series main female character having tattoos made out of word marks. At that point, the only main character that doesn't have a word mark tattoo is Hunt. And then in chapter 29, when Rune goes down into the library under the gallery, there's two books that he touches slash acknowledges, and they are the words of the gods and the great romances of the Fae. And I want to know which gods were in this book mm-hmm. and what romances other than the, I think that's the one where he f- finds out about Thea. Why did these books get noticed specifically by Rune? Which, when he goes to touch the words of the gods, Lele goes, don't touch that, it might bite. And, like, his magic reacts to it. So I just want to know, like, Mm -hmm. why? With the great romances of the Fae, we know that the Asteri had Thea pretty much wiped from existence. So that's interesting that that's considered a forbidden book, the romances of the Fae. And I think something's in that about Thur, maybe. I don't know. Just very it's got some it's got something in there to be it banned. has a meaning yes yes overall reading this thing I'm just like why do the Asteri allow technology electricity if it's all powered by first light mm-hmm. I just think they would be hoarding as much as possible to have as much power as possible yes so why are they allowing pretty much everything uses first light to power it so I just didn't understand that and then Hunt marks Sabine, and I can't wait for her to die. Yeah, I can't wait. He marks her, and that's important. We know Nesta marked someone, and that was huge when she marked the King of Hybern, so. And she tried to mark Tamlin, but he stepped out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> he, he made one smart move. Right. Back to the Oracle, when Hunt was in there, and not related to his prophecy, but the Oracle telling him that you remind me of which was lost long ago. I had not realized it might ever appear again. What does that mean? And what is that referring to? His power, who he is, who his ancestry is. What does that actually mean? It was lost long ago. He didn't realize it would happen. And then you add on to that when Adis finally acknowledges that Hunt is in the room. He says an angel with the power of and then breaks off. The power yeah. of what, Adis? And that was what made him recognize who Rune was by his power. And I think it has to do with his lightning again. It's so rare. Mm-hmm. Adis knows who had that power. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, what are you doing with those tattoos on you? And he calls it the black crown, which shocks mm-hmm. Hunt because he says he's literally never heard it called that. So many yeah. questions. This one, what did Danica have against Lele? Yes. Like, this is one of my red flags for Danica. Why was she always so mean and rude to Lily? What did she do? Lele was probably one of Bryce's truest friends. Like, she's yeah. the one who stuck by her, checked on her, never let her personality, the way Bryce was acting, never let that change or affect the relationship. What is it about her that set Danica off. What is going on with Rune and Hypaxia? I know that they don't end up together, but there's something going on. Some like, type of pull towards her. I don't know. In Hosap, it feels like it's more because of her values kind of align with them. They don't even know her from Adam's house cat in House of mm-hmm. Earth and Blood. And he's literally gone to this. Her. Yeah. 
And it's not on a romantic level. I think initially when he saw her, it was a little bit on the romantic level for well, him. Well, I think the he more... just acknowledged her beauty because she is yeah. beautiful. I feel like he didn't look at her in the way like he did other females. This is true. So what is it that he's drawn to? Yes, because he seemed like literally obsessed with her. Therion was literally making marks on a piece of paper for every time Rune stared at her. Is that what that was? I just could not figure out what they were. Arion mentions it in Hosab. Oh, okay. I haven't done my reread, so yeah, I'm going to mention in Hosab so that that's stuff. what Therion was doing. I was but reading you... it. What are they keeping track of? And then so much happened after that. I just didn't think of it ever again, but yes. Yeah, he was keeping I'll... track of Rune looking at Hypaxia. <laughs> and you just are like, why are Therion and Hypaxia so close too? No one knew that she was the witch queen until this moment, yet now they've formed this alliance. I want to know what the whole time warp, slow down, world tilting thing is when archangels die. What about yes. them dying literally makes time slow. It made his blood fall a different way than it was supposed to with Sandriel's death. What does that mean? They're just such mm -hmm. powerful beings that the world went crazy when they died I'm, I'm confused about that I want to know what all of that means yes if all three books are happening at the same exact time then at this moment this moment's happening on Crescent City at the same time on Akatar, is this the moment when Nesta saves Feyre Reese and Nyx on Prithian and then time stops there and then you also have is this also the same moment when Aelin and them are killing Erewhon and Maeve in Kingdom of Ash. Because we know in A Court of Silver Flames that Aelin flies over Perithian. And then there's a gap of time before they get in the final battle. Like, it doesn't immediately, like, she comes back, final battle. Like, there's weeks there. Mm -hmm. And then we have what happened on Axif. They talk about Reese being freaked out by that moment. And then a couple weeks later is the Blood Rite. And that's when the saving the using of the jet trove happens and time is stopped there are all three of these major moments happening at the same exact time because if time starts stops slows in one realm mm -hmm. is time its own realm so it just stops everywhere does it only affect one realm because the way she describes it especially in Akasif with the harp is like it's its own thing. It's its own realm. It's its own dimension. And so, yes. everything bows to the last string. Right. Just wondering if all those things timeline-wise are happening at, at the, the same, same exact moment because yep. that means something. And then two random thoughts that I had towards the end that like kind of happen everywhere is what is with all the wolf references in regards to Bryce? She's literally considered a member of the Pack of Devils, even though she isn't a wolf. Savine refers to her as a wannabe wolf, and then the Prime calls her a true wolf. And then she uses Danica's heirloom sword, also, and it responds to her. I think I saw a TikTok about this, I'm not sure the creator, but it's their theory kind of ties back to this, is how mm -hmm. Connor thinks that Bryce is his mate. So does Ethan, both exactly mm -hmm. when they met her. Yes. Why do they feel pulled to her? Because I think Hunt is her true mate. Do they feel a pull to her in the same way they feel a pull to their alpha, to Danica? Is she considered an alpha? That's why they both feel the pull, but they're like, she's not a wolf, so it has to be a mate thing. 
Mm-hmm. Bryce didn't feel that same pull back to Ethan. No. And I think, I can't remember where she, she stood with Connor. We know she obviously loved him the same way Aylin loved Sam. Mm-hmm. And Rowan's her true mate. But yeah, was it a mate bond for her too? Did she just feel a pull to them too? Because she's one of the wolves per se. Yeah. I have questions about that too. And then the last one for me was, Hypaxia knows more than she says. She recognizes the bond between Hunt and Bryce in House of Earth and Blood. She's like, oh, the bond between you two are strong. Like This is before they even kiss. This is when she's going to get the Chrysalis demon venom out of Bryce's leg. She calls Hunt Bryce's partner. And also Hunt describes her eyes as having ancient power. Right. This next section is more focused towards the whole Sarah J. Mass universe. We've tried to split this up into sections where you just kind of get off and things kind of spill over. But this is particularly about SJMU as a whole. Anything that crosses over that we've noticed. The first one is the Arkesian amulet, which is the three interlocking symbols. And it just reminds me of the bone carver drawing in the sand and talking about the three-faced goddess in Akamath. And then... Danica's shifting is obviously Tog shifting, but it also reminds me of Tamlin when he shifts. Yes, there's that flash of light and they shift. Yes, and no one else that we see in Akatar shifts with a flash of light. And she keeps her clothes. Yes. Different to Lysandra shifting where mm-hmm. she doesn't. Those are two different types of shifting. It's the yes. Fae shifting into their animal form. It's not just straight shifters, which I think is a huge difference as to why the shifters on Midgard are fae, and that's their shifter form. Yes. Yes. Which also ties into Feyre shifts in the way that Lysandra shifts. Correct. When she turns into Tarquin. And she also turns into Ianthe, literally. And then Danica's snarl is described as death incarnate. And I would just like to point out that the only other people who are described this way that I've caught is Reese, Rowan, Aelin, and whatever those Valk creature things were in Chapter 47 of Air Fire. So these are all creatures, characters with massive amounts of power. So like, does this mean something or is it just a phrase Sarah likes to use? We're going to look into every little thing as meaning something else. So <laughs> yes. And then Midgard uses iron to be a way of combating magic, just like Tog does. So I want to know why iron affects Midgard and Tog, but it doesn't affect Akatar, minus Feyre having some reactions to iron. And then in chapter six, when they're describing Vic being a wraith and that they possess bodies, what makes her different from the wraiths we see in Akatar? And are the Akatar race able to possess bodies like Crescent City does? Yeah, there was a lot of the same type of creatures in Crescent City as in Akatar that I had questions about, mm-hmm. like the race, the Kelpie, how it's described in the cage in Jessica's office does not seem like the same Kelpie that Nesta had to deal with in the bog. The bog lord. It more seemed like the knock thing that she had to deal with. And also, Tristan and Flynn mentioned having to battle a worm, and that just reminded me of the Middengard worm. So we see 
there's the same type of creatures, but they're kind of different too. Is mm-hmm. that just part of the evolution of 15,000 years and, or how they were bred or they were able to obtain new powers? Just curious about that too. Yes. I have questions about Brune's shadow walking. Is this similar to how Az hides in the shadows? Because Rune can, it just looks like a shadow in the corner. And as does the same thing of mm-hmm. hiding in a shadow. Is that correlated together? And I know this is just a little bit of theory talk that it's speculated that as feels a bond with more because we think more is a starborn queen and will rule the dust court. He's going mm-hmm. to be her knight. That's why he again feels that bond there. He misassociates that with a mating bond, but it's really just him being tied to her because that's his queen. Yes. And then as has truth teller, Rune has the star sword. We think Rune's going to be Bryce's knight because she's also a starborn queen descended directly from Thea, who was the last starborn queen. It also would explain his oracle's prophecy a little bit better with the royal line ending with him because he's going to be Bryce's knight and she's going to be the rule. So the royal line now goes through her. Just a bit of a theory there, but I think that's how all of that's tied together. There's just so much. Rune's tied to Reese a lot, yes, but I feel like there's also correlations with As. Uh, yes, because like at one point, Rune's shadows are described as twining around his arms like a snake. And then they're also at one point when he's at the clinic where Hypaxia is, there's like a lavender smell coming through the room and he describes his shadows as slumbering inside him. So just find that interesting. Reese's darkness shadow is like night surrounding yes. him whereas yes. rune's shadows makes me think more of Azrael's yes. shadows. yes the way they are it doesn't necessarily say rune's shadows are sentient as it does as but just the way they're described they're not always which we know reese is powerful but they're not always surrounding him and mm-hmm. when he gets angry he can obviously make night bloom all around him but like you said it's more of night it's not shadows following him around him that sort of thing yes and I just feel like maybe he is a shadow singer and he just doesn't I feel like shadow singers if they're a real thing still on Midgard that they're more rare than they already are on Akatar, and that's why he doesn't know how to talk or use them for spying or anything like that Mm -hmm. but they still just are constantly rolling around him Mm -hmm. again it ties to his it's when it describes Thea, it says starlight and shadows poured from her skin. Mm-hmm. Does that mean as a starborn too? <laughs> I think he is. Yeah. I think the dust court and night court are so closely related anyway. Yes. Obviously, there's going to be tie over between the two. And then there are only four people in all of the SJM books, which I checked. I got my phone and went into my Kindle app where I have every single SJM book. And searched within the books for the word cultish. There are four people who are described as that. It is Bryce, Vasa, Gwen, and then Ravi, which he seems to be the outlier, which he's one of the sons of the emperor in Tower of Dawn. But Bryce, Vasa, and Gwen are all redheads who are all described as cultish. Is there a meaning there? We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No idea, but just wanted to point it out because it seems weird. And then Rune, when he is accessing his Starborn magic, sounds like Aelin when she's diving into her magic, but like also when she's reaching for her small piece of water magic, Mm -hmm. his Starborn magic seems the same and being that tiny little piece of him. 
And also when Bryce takes that out of piece out of her chest to close the gate as well. And then Amber Eyes, Manon yep. has Amber Eyes, which the Vow Princes are terrified of because they say that's the color eyes of their king. Yep. And there's only four people so far in Crescent City who have been described as having Amber Eyes. And it is Bryce, the Autumn King, Declan, and Lydia. Can understand the Bryce and Autumn King thing. Can kind of get the Lydia thing. Declan seems like such an outlier there for the amber eyes. And I want to know more about Declan. During this read. Is it Flynn or him that has the real auburn hair too? Like he looks just like Bryce saying the Autumn King to me. I think he has darker skin and darker hair. And then even though Bryce doesn't currently have fire powers. I say currently because we have no idea what her powers she truly possesses from using the gate because that was pure magic, but she is constantly described with adjectives of fire. Her eyes glow, they could see the flames in her eyes. She's constantly described as fire in the way that SJM constantly described Aelin in reference to fire. And then what do you know? She's a fire queen. And why doesn't Bryce have literally any powers from her father? And she got mm-hmm. all of these powers from the gate, like you said, Can she use all of those different, when she's coming back up through the drop, she can fill herself with all of these forms of all the people who've given a drop over. Mm -hmm. Can she access that magic like Feyre can? I'm going to go with a happy hermit's thought on that Bryce needs a siphon. True. Declan just, I looked it up. He does have dark red hair and amber eyes. So he looks exactly like the Autumn King as well, which a lot of the Valbaran faith look like that. But I just think that's interesting that he looks more like Bryce than Rune does. Are we sure Rune's his son? (laughs) No, anything can be up in the air at this point. I mean, I guess we do because he claims him even though he doesn't want to claim him. So I guess it's true, but it's very sketchy. And then in chapter 21, Rune says the eight-pointed star is the symbol of the starborn Fae. And the harp sits on top of an eight-pointed star in the prison and the high priestesses in chapter 37 of Throne of Glass, the book, has an eight-pointed star tattooed on her forehead. Also, the fact that the harp sits on the eight-pointed star, and that's when she has the vision of the crossing of the Fae going over from the dust court. Mm -hmm. And then while we're on the topic of priestesses, the priestesses in Crescent City wear moons in different phases to represent their raking. And they also take vows of celibacy. In Akatar, the priestesses wear their invoking stone on their foreheads, but they are free to have relationships and children. And then the elder prince- priestesses in Crescent City wear a waning crescent moon, which in Tog is the symbol that represents the crone of the three faces of the witch's goddess the maiden, the mother, and the crone, which is also considered the three-faced goddess that we see in Akatar. How any of this ties together other than that it ties together? Couldn't tell you. Just pointing it out. A cute moment when Bryce and Hunt fly for the first time, it reminds me so much of Reese and Feyre's first flight of like both Bryce and Feyre were like, I'm not doing it. And they're like, oh, are you chicken? Like, it's not that bad. It'll make our trip quicker. We're just going to fly. And they're both like, no, 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 no. And then they fly. And they're holding on for dear life and hide the whole entire time. Yes. So I just thought that was cute. In chapter 51, Adis is described as having a dark power. Other characters that are described as having dark power is Lorcan. Characters that are possessed by Valg in Hog. The Iron Teeth witches 
only when doing the yielding, Maeve, Amran, Reese, the King of Hybern, and Nesta. Just throwing that out there. So what does it mean? <laughs> I know. This is, that's basically the theme of this section. Here are all these things. What do they mean? No idea. No idea. The next one is that the Northern Rift got more active around the time that Bryce is born. And Bryce, Aelin, Feyre, Nesta, and Elaine are all around the same age. Mm-hmm. Because Nesta and Elaine are very close to Feyre in age. Right. They're so, all within less than five years apart. And I'm pretty sure Nesta and Elaine are actually closer to Bryce's age. And then Aelin and Feyre are closer together in age. If everything is happening at the same exact time. Right. And so what does it mean that all three main characters who are super powerful and have awoken ancient objects and beings and powers are all active at the same time? And then we have that on that same thread. So Bryce has Thea's light. Aelin has Mala's flame. So does Feyre or someone else in Akatar have another ancient being's power? And is it possibly Reese since he's like the most powerful High Lord of all time? Or is it Elaine and she has the power of Ooh. the mother? I also like she's next on my list. I don't know if it's Feyre because I feel like if it was, we'd have known it. I'm almost done. I had, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going through the book and I was just adding all the things. And then I'm like, I added too many things. <laughs> so my next one is, were there ever Pegasi on Crescent City? If so, what happened to them? The Fae came from the Dust Court. Did mm-hmm. they bring them with them to Crescent City? Yes. Where, or where was to Midgard. The, where was the inspiration to make a child's toy look like a Pegasus? Right. This was a fun tidbit. The Underking and the Cauldron's voices are described the same as being young and old, male and female. And Bryce and Feyre both have negative reactions to the sounds of their voice. Yeah, I'm confused about the Underking. What is he? Who is he really serve? Is he dead? Is he alive? Who knows? He kind of reminds me of a creepy surreal. Mm-hmm. And the surreal is already creepy. Great friend. Creepy looking. But yeah. And then in chapter 78, when Bryce is trying to get away from Micah, she touches four books. It's On the Divine Number, The Walking Dead, The Book of Breathings, and The Queen of Many Faces. Okay. Obviously, we know The Walking Dead is from Tog. And we know the Book of Breathings is from Akatar. So I want to know what is on the divine number. And is it the divine number seven? Or is it some other divine number? And then who is the queen with many faces? And then the last one in this section is when the gates are being opened and the demons are coming out. It reminds me of the portal that Selena opens in Crown of Midnight. And that's our question. <laughs> 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 this whole book is full actually of that's our ties that we found that before i spiraled too far yes. that's all of our ties to the sjmu most of our ties end up being questions anyway it's all yes. a question everything's it's, a question it's i have fun. we got no answers to be honest we've got like almost two thousand pages worth of stuff that just led not, to more questions and nary a answer right so next is our overall thoughts feelings, and comments. So this is anything just kind of generalized. And my first one is Thor and Danica is giving Asmore. He was in love with her. And we obviously know in Hosab that Danica has a mate. We'll touch on that one in the next episode because we don't have time for me to spiral. Bryce's friends absolutely suck. They all suck. Besides Lele. Fury is awful. She doesn't even 
she reluctantly wants to be their friends from the beginning. She's just scared of getting too close. Like I get her reservations, but she didn't talk to Bryce for two years after that. Yeah. And Bryce still tried so hard. I get everyone goes through their own crap, but still. Danica, obviously, lying at every single turn. It's like, when can she Danica's betray the one that her hurts. more? Because Bryce, it's that TikTok. It's like, yeah, you're my best friend. Well, I'm your best friend. <laughs> Danica's Bryce's best friend, but. Yeah. And There's Bryce so was many... Lele's best friend, but Lele wasn't Bryce's best friend. I'm like, Lele was the best friend of all of them. Yeah. There's so many secrets Danica keeps. And granted, she didn't think she was going to die. I don't know why with all the things she was getting involved in, she had to know it was a possibility. But the mate thing got me good. Two years. Two years. Imagine, that. just imagine for a moment that I secretly got married, left him somewhere. He's off somewhere. Nobody yeah. knows I got married. You sneak off every so often. You, yeah. live, you live with me. But I live, so often, I live you with you and off. Jake, and then I die tragically, and, and two years later, he shows up. He says, oh, we were married. Here's yeah. the wedding license. Here's, here's my tattoo we got of her handwriting on me. Jail. how is that have to be kept such a big... I, okay, I get it about the horn. I get it about Bryce being starborn. Like, you got to keep that a secret, which Bryce shared that with her. Yeah. Bryce shared her deepest, darkest secret with her. I get who her father it is. I get what she was doing, all of that. But it's like, your mate, how did that impede all the other stuff you had going on? She's your best friend. She isn't going to be like, oh, Denica's mate is Sandriel's Triari. Like, yeah. Okay. We got to leave. This could be a five hour episode <laughs> of us ranting about Danica. We're Danica and Kale, we could yeah. rant for hours. So we're just going to stop there. I thought that Therian had such a bigger role in this first book than he actually did. He literally showed up over halfway through and then maybe like two more times in the whole thing. And I just, in my head, it was like, oh yeah, Therian's in House of Earth and Blood. Okay, for three scenes. And then I actually liked him in this book and I was excited to get more of him. Yes. And just like poo-pooed on that in Hosab. So <laughs> yes. that just was like something I remembered that was like, oh, he didn't even come in till halfway through and then barely yes. again. Yeah. I was so excited. I was like, oh, we're going to get to learn more about Therion. And then literally every time I got one of his chapters, I was like, this guy again? Like, And I thought we were going to get more about down in the blue court and we hardly got any of that. We'll talk about Hosep. Yes, yeah, that's a Hosep thing. We can't. Yes. We're already running long. <laughs> we apologize. So I love Hunt and Syrinx's relationship. Syrinx loves Hunt so much and Hunt acts like such a pet parent. I love it. I'm just obsessed with them because like every time Hunt comes in the room, Syrinx is like so happy and like skipping over to him or like when Syrinx is begging for more food from Hunt and he's like, you already ate. Like you already ate. Fine, I'll feed you again. Syrinx immediately accepts Hunt and that's all Bryce needed to know. It's all Bryce needed to see and there's your permission right there. I think this is just speculation that the Autumn King and Ember were true mates. Based on their scents, again, we're going to talk about scents. They both have nutmeg described in their scents, as does Bryce. And I'm like, why would that be so similar and specific of a smell for her to have and for the Autumn King to have? Mm -hmm. And then we know that they were in love with each other. He loved her. She loved him. He was ready to make her his queen, even though she was human. 
He knew she wouldn't have wanted it, but she would have said yes anyway. And then we don't technically know the truth about what really happened to make her flee. We know the Autumn King regrets it. He possibly still loves her, which I don't get how he just treated Bryce all these years. I don't know. It's just like, what is his it's reason? It's Tamlin. Yeah, but I just want to know his reasons for doing things. Was he trying to protect her? Was he trying to keep her at a distance? Is he going to actually end up being a good guy? But I can't reconcile that with Rune's childhood, with the things he's done. I am just have a big he's just a trash question human. mark a trash. But yeah, yeah, but I just I, feel like there's something behind that. It's like, is that a mask? Are you really just an evil dude? Were you doing it for a reason? He very much reminds me of Baron. I see the mate thing because like, how did y'all meet? How did you even decide to get together? That's yeah, just... but the, the way he is, differs from Baron is, I feel like Baron's just cruel to be cruel. He doesn't love anything. He won't admit he even loves anything. He doesn't love mm-hmm. his sons. He doesn't love his wife. The fact that Autumn he loves power that he loved a human, which is such a no-no in their hierarchical society. Yeah. I'm just like, it's just eating at my mind and I don't know what to think about it. Well, we may or may not ever find out. Yeah. Unless Sarah keeps writing till she's 90, then at that point, we will eventually maybe find out. Who knows? It might be a King of Ardalan situation where we find out on his deathbed. A thought is I hope that Bryce gets to meet Helion's Pegasi because I know that girl will absolutely lose her mind if she sees a Pegasus in real life. Like 1000% will be like begging to ride the Pegasus. And then a sad thought, I hope one day when it's all over, after she's seen a Pegasus, that she gets to tell Hunt that she saw and rode a Pegasus and he can be happy for her. I am obsessed with the otters and I want one. Love them. They're so cute. And the fact that the one in Hosab that we see repetitively, his name is Fitzpatrick, is adorable. I love him. The angel's hierarchy reminds me of the Illyrians. The pure power bred, the nobility. Yeah. Not in the female way, obviously. Yeah. But in, and also in the way they act about their wings. Yes. I sobbed at these two parts. One was Lahaba's death, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. That got me so hard, which I did the first time, but it did again. And also Bryce calling to say her goodbyes and they're like all watching it. Like they can see her, but they can also hear her too. And she's just basically saying her final goodbyes. Oh, that got to me. Saying something to Rune. Poor Rune. And Rune was confused, but she was basically Mm -hmm. admitting that she knew all along, but she didn't want to take that from him. Yeah. I love Rune. Not for the way that every other, for not in the chapter three way, in the <laughs> he's a great brother way. Yeah. Big brotherly. Yeah. Throwing that out there. But yes, so I was in, I took myself to dinner. So I was reading in a restaurant when I got to Lele's death. And I literally had to like stop reading the book because I was going to start sobbing hysterically in public. And I could not do that. So I had to go home so I could cry at home and finish reading it. And the moments where Bryce is talking about her depression are so yes. heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. Trigger warning, reading about Bryce in the night that she almost jumped. Yes. Yeah, that was really, really hard, hard to that read. Was... On a separate note, the scene when Hunt getting his wings cut off, that was oh, hard God. to read too. Yes. Also, another reason... Another uh, mate sign was his wings had been chopped off. He faints 
Bryce starts singing, screaming his name and he immediately wakes up. He even recalls, he's like, it must, I must have fainted for a second because my wings are still sprouting blood. But mm-hmm. Bryce's voice woke me up. Just throwing that out there. Crescent City, I still would rank the series as the third, but I definitely felt more connected to it on this reread, have a mm-hmm. more connection to the characters. When I read it the first time, I was like, okay, I didn't really want to read Hosab. I finally did. And then I was more connected. I begged to- you. Yeah. I, I was more- begged you for months. I was more connected to Hosab based on the fact that they were in Prithian. But now after this read, it definitely put me more on the CC train and like, okay, where are these characters going? I just felt more connected to them on a whole in this reread, which I appreciate. I would also agree, like if we're ranking the series overall, it's third to me, but Crescent City and like House of Earth and Blood and House of Sky and Breath, I do rank like my top five of 15. Yes. Yeah. So like the books are ranked higher than other books, but the series overall, and it might change once the series is complete. Mm-hmm. So this is me saying, I love the series. It's just really, it's hard to top yeah. Tog as a whole. And it's hard to top Akamath as a book. The reason I didn't like it as much the first time is because it's urban fantasy. And I just couldn't correlate that in my mind of it being fantasy, but having all the electronics, cars, phones, computers, all of that too. It just, I've never read urban fantasy before. So that was just kind of different for me. And I do prefer high fantasy more, but yes, I get it now. I get it more. I understand it more. I actually enjoyed the urban fantasy, but I've also read other urban fantasy books. Like I just kind of looked at it like a vampire diaries type-esque situation. Yeah. But instead of vampires, it's and angels and those kind of things so I think when you look at it with that lens it's easier to I was going into it with a tog and a Akatar lens so then I was like this is not like that at all it's kind of like how the first time I read Akatar I didn't enjoy it and it's because I wasn't in the right mind space so I think Mm -hmm. with this one specifically you have to kind of put yourself in the right place to be suspend your expectations even yeah Sarah's really good at making her, like, if you read just one book of hers, you might not appreciate how good it is. She's better at making her works good when you look at them as, like, an overall composition, as opposed to, like, an individual book. Because she doesn't write individual books. She writes series. She's not a standalone type author. And then, uh, one last thing that hit me when I was finishing this up is that, uh, Pangaea is the play on the word Pangaea, which was the supercontinent for the Earth. So does it correlate? Is it the same? In Norse mythology, uh, Midgard is Earth. And we know she loves her some Norse mythology. So, all right. So that was very long winded, but we had a lot of thoughts about House of Earth and Blood and it is an 800 page novel. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yes. So thank you for coming along with this. We are heading into our House of Sky and Breath reread. We'll come at you with kind of our same thoughts on that as well. And then we'll also be getting into our theories and where we think the series is going to go in House of Flame and Shadow. So stay tuned. We're also doing our Crescent City 101 breakdowns of the world of Midgard, the world of Crescent City, everything that you possibly need to know with all the information. So Look out for those as well. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on whatever listening platform you are using. And you can go follow us on Instagram. We are at Throne of Chaos Pod and also on YouTube at Throne of Chaos Pod, where you can subscribe to us. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you.